Hey guys, and welcome back to the Man Is It Hard podcast. I'm Benjamin Scammon, and I'm here with Brandon Couch. And we're just going to jump right into boundaries and vulnerability today. So, do you want to start us off or should I? Uh, go ahead. Right. So, beforehand we were talking about society and where we are today as a whole and how just how people are very much more to themselves. Uh, we've talked about that a few times in the last episodes and how it feels like people are not as connected right now. So where do you think people and boundaries and vulnerability are right now as a whole? Do you think people are as connected as they could be, as they should be? Do you think that society is giving people a certain message? Where are you in in the whole scheme of things? I think society has, as of late anyway, been teaching us to not really be ourselves and that it's it's not okay to be different or be authentic i think authenticity authenticity is a very difficult thing for a lot of people these days and i think for those who are authentic and able to be themselves they are worshipped in some ways where you know people look up to them and i think there's a reason for that because i think a lot of people they they want to be authentic but they don't know how to be their authentic selves without feeling socially ostracized or even like they don't belong in society. Well, and that's why I think vulnerability is is such an important part of today's topic and not just boundaries is because to me that is showing vulnerability without shining a light on it. You're being vulnerable without being like, hey, everyone, you can come dig at me, come throw a few punches at me while I open up about this personal topic. Right. Well, and I think with vulnerability in general, I think a lot of people get told that they're oversharing. And and it's not necessarily they're getting told that, but other people's actions around them are showing them that. Yeah. For example, there are a lot of times in my life where I would I would be the one to make plans or reach out to people. And over time... I would get told by certain, not everyone, but certain individuals that I was annoying or that it was too much. And for me, I don't think that ever really um, clicked because to me, it's like, well, I'm trying to create a connection and they're just pushing that connection away. So I do believe in society today that it's getting harder and harder for us to find the people that we really click with and find our tribe or our family, our second family. I think I don't think it's a bad thing to say that your biological family is your family. I, you know, I think we all can connect with our family family members on some form or another, but I I do believe that we also have free will and we get to choose our family as well because yeah. there are there are certain people out there who've been abused and who've been taken advantage of by their family members. Right. And we don't want them to feel like they have to go back into those situations because clearly that wasn't a healthy situation for them. So it stands to say that... It can be really beneficial to find the people who you click with, right? Absolutely. And that we get to choose who our actual family members are. We yeah. get to choose the people that we want to be around. That That's a choice that we get to make. And 
I think it is hard in some situations, especially people who find themselves in domestic violence situations, because they do have a tendency to repeat the same cycles of being around the same individuals. And it can be difficult for them to pick out the behaviors of those individuals early, or even, even while it's happening. And so that makes it even more difficult to get out of those situations. Right. Well, they can be so used to those behaviors and situations that, that it's not always easy to recognize until they've gotten themselves back into the same cycle. Mm-hmm. So that makes complete sense. And I think one of my, one of the friends that I had a while ago, they mentioned that when they finally got into a healthy relationship, it was very strange for them and it made them feel very uncomfortable like something's missing or, or like they're waiting for something to happen yeah and i think yeah. it was because they were so used to being in an abusive relationship or being with someone who mistreated them that being with someone who finally treated them well and with respect was a very it was a foreign thing for them well that's what's so hard about cycles right is that they feed into our expectations Right. We, we get to a point where we become a little bit sedentary in, in the actions that are being done upon us. We all put up with things on a daily basis that we learn to not speak up about in order to hopefully benefit us in the long run. Absolutely. Yeah. And so talking about boundaries and boundary setting and how to set boundaries, not just with interpersonal relationships, but also work relationships, professional relationships even friendships. It's it's an important topic for the simple fact that we all have values, we all have belief systems, and when certain boundaries get crossed and we let people walk all over those boundaries, it really does us as individuals a disservice. It does. And it shows really a lack of self-respect. And so we are going to discuss some ways that you can start setting boundaries not only for yourself, but maybe doing some self-reflection as well to figure out what your boundaries are. Yeah. Because in order for us to know what boundaries to set, it's important to know who we are as individuals, what we value, what we don't value. And also an important thing is to take note of there is a massive difference between things that you value as an individual and things that you see value in. Right. Uh, the main difference is that you might see value in in another person's value, but you don't necessarily value that yourself because otherwise you would probably be having similar behaviors or similar actions around that value that the other person does that you might not have because you don't value it. So you have to kind of do some self-reflection and do some self-awareness work to really figure out what your boundaries really are and not take on other people's values as your own. And for me, it, it's always, you know, maybe the first time something happens, you, you don't, you don't feel anything, you don't care, but the freshness and newness of it wears off, you start to, to be able to more recognize like, mm, I don't know if I'd want to put up with this for the rest of my life. Yeah, and values and beliefs, they can change. We all change as humans as we go through life and as certain situations happen to us, or as we get ourselves put in certain situations, some of our values and beliefs are naturally going to change. So it's important to recognize that as well and to take note of when those values do change and act accordingly. For me, for example, I think one value that I've always had 
growing up as a you know as throughout childhood and also now as an adult is loyalty that's kind of my number one i would say my number one value is i really value loyalty and so whenever people around me were disloyal or showed signs of disloyalty it really it triggered me and a lot of those relationships ended because of that well i think that's something really good to step into from a, a different angle because loyalty and boundaries can sometimes have some some conflict within them right um and so i guess let me ask you this how do you feel if someone is loyal but they are breaking a boundary and doing so so like saying like you and a friend are about to get into like a fight this is something really simple you you and a, you're about to get into a fight or a bully wants to fight you right would you rather your friend be loyal to you and stand there with you but break their own moral code of like not getting into situations like that or would you rather they be disloyal to you, to you and not show up and not do any of that stuff but still hold strong to their own moral and ethical code so it really depends on the situation um if it's a situation where they aren't in the situation themselves or they're not around me when that situation is happening then i'm not going to i'm not going to blame them for that I'm not going to say things like, oh, you should have been there or, oh, where were you? Because, I mean, I can't control where they are at any given time, right? That's yeah. out of my control. But if they were if they were standing next to me when that situation presented itself, absolutely, I'd want them to stand up for me and be there to kind of back me up in, in that situation. Yeah. But if it was if it was a situation where, like I said, they weren't there and later I'm describing it to them, and it really does depend on the situation. But if it was a fight and I got into a fight with someone and then later I was explaining it to a friend of mine and they were like, oh, well, you got that. You got yourself into that situation. So um, that's kind of on you. Then, yeah, I probably would have seen that as disloyalty. But if they if they kind of explained their viewpoint around it and were able to explain my behaviors that got me put into that situation to begin with and we're like this this is why this happened right then i probably yeah i'd probably be upset in the moment but later i'm gonna be like i'm gonna look back at that situation and be like ah oh, you were right yeah i instigated the situation yeah. that's on me not on you and so i'm not gonna blame them over that um there have been situations though where i was friends with someone and then they would either their significant other or even them, they would brag about being with someone else other than the person that they were with at the time. And I, yeah, I'd cut them off. And that's just because I value loyalty. And if you're going to be disloyal to your partner, then down the line, you're probably going to be disloyal to me. So yeah. And that can be a, a good way to see it. I think we both have conflicting views on that because I don't know if I necessarily believe that. I've certainly seen some people hold grudges and become completely different people based on those they're around too. For me, I've seen people, some people who would absolutely trample a certain person and at the same time go and hold roses and flowers up to a completely different group. Right. Yeah, well, I think, I think when I was an adolescent, I definitely made questionable decisions with the group of people that I would hang around. And now as an adult, I make very careful choices of who I choose to be around for that very reason. Sure. And 
I think it's important to do that, not necessarily all the time, because sometimes it's a learning experience and we learn, we have to go through certain experiences to learn. Otherwise, we might not even figure it out until way later into adulthood, which makes things more difficult. If you were, for instance, if you were somebody who didn't really socialize a lot and you finally got the opportunity to socialize when you're in your early 20s and that was like the first opportunity you got you're gonna definitely hit some roadblocks along the road along the way and it's gonna be one of those situations where you just have to take each negative situation as a learning experience and move on and just learn from those experiences as you move forward and so it can be one of those you know late bloomer situations where you don't really figure out how to do certain things or interact with certain individuals until way later. But if you make the choice to not learn from those situations and keep finding yourself in the same situation over and over again, you might want to ask yourself the question, why am I putting myself in these situations over and over again? Because in most cases, it's a learning experience and it's telling you you haven't learned from your past experiences. Well, not to be super specific about that situation, but in moments where you don't have a lot of, of social growth, it can be really hard to identify what good self-growth looks like without having someone there with you to help you not even catch up on that journey, but just get to where you want to be. It's going to be so hard, you know, just in general to, to simplify it, is for someone to find self-growth without being able to identify self-growth. So... I think, and not to continuously jump back to past episodes every week, but why it can be so important, as we've said in others, to work together and why it's so important for us to try and be there for one another, especially for those we care about, because it's so easy to get lost in this self-growth journey and then to be unable to identify what do I need to be working on and what is something just me complaining about me, me just being picky towards myself, because that's not what we want to do either. We don't want to just pick apart the things that make us unique and make us different and turn us into robots. Right. Well, and, you know, I think another thing about boundaries that's important is we all have certain tolerance levels. And I, I think you hear it a lot with people who experience social anxiety or even panic attacks that they don't they don't do very well in crowds or very large groups of people. And that's okay. That's not necessarily a problem. It's not a major, you know, there's nothing, it's not saying there's something wrong with you as an individual. That's not, it just means that that's your comfort level. And is it okay to get out of your comfort level? Absolutely. I think that's when we grow the most in a lot of cases. And I think I have talked to a lot of people and I've met a lot of people who have social anxiety and they have pushed themselves outside of that comfort zone quite a bit to where, you know, they might attend that concert just to see how things go. And they'll be like, I, I was overstimulated. I didn't like it. It was difficult. And the importance is, okay, yes, it was difficult, but what did you learn from that experience? Right. That, you know, what was overstimulating you? What was causing you the anxiety and once you figure that out then you might be able to do something similar but different maybe not maybe there was too much people so maybe you attend a smaller concert and you'll do fine but yeah. if you attend you know, big one with like fifty thousand people 
going to be uncomfortable for you. Well, and it's important to know that. And that's why it'd be so important to problem solve and not problem manage. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people who are just trying to make one little thing change, one little thing go away. And I like to remind people that being in pain every day is not normal. That's one of those little things I've been seeing make the rounds again lately. Oh, absolutely. Well, and so it's interesting that you mentioned that because I have a I have a friend who I talk to on Discord um, quite frequently, and he has autism. And he was telling me a story of how he was doing these events, and a kid walked up to him, and because he wears so he wears these earplugs because he gets overstimulated with sound. So sure. they're called loops. They're loop earplugs, and they literally are designed to cancel out certain sounds, yeah, especially loud ones. And he had a kid come up to him and ask him why he was wearing the earplugs. And when he explained what the earplugs were doing and that they were canceling out a lot of the sound so that he could actually focus on what he was doing, the kid was like, wow, so you mean sounds aren't supposed to hurt? And that's, to me, that's kind of shocking because you know a parent should be able to kind of pick up on that but i think sometimes we miss those yeah. for whatever reason either at a very younger age maybe the parents were like it's not that loud deal with it right and they didn't pick you know whatever it could it could have been a situation going on or you know maybe they were busy in the moment and they couldn't really address the issue and then well and i didn't even know until recently that honestly it's okay to wear headphones to like every concert or or earplugs or whatnot but... well it's a normal thing for people to wear earplugs to concerts really yeah and it's important to know that sometimes even when you're in like a loud space like a restaurant for example where there's a bunch of people talking around you it can get overstimulating for certain groups of people sure and i don't know if you've ever watched um the show atypical on netflix great show kid who, it's all about <laughs> it's all about a kid who has autism one of my tattoos is from atypical i'm nice. very genuinely pointing to it and so i i love that show because uh one of the episodes his girlfriend literally advocated for her school to do the school dance with headphones yeah and i thought that was really just aware of them and really cool so it, it it does beg to to say that wearing headphones isn't an issue and these earplugs are very like they're very small and out of the way so it's not very noticeable and so really you can wear them at any place work if it's overstimulating and you can actually get your stuff done so i think it's really it's a neat there there are these devices now that are coming out that really do help people who get overstimulated with yeah, things for sure and shout out to the cheap homies, because I've, I've seen that some of those little just the 50 cent ones work even if you'll just keep replacing those. Yeah. So I think it's, it's awesome. I think that's just one of those those examples, your, your friend showing normalizing comfort and the reasons why it's so important even when you're around others to normalize some of your own quirks and whatnot. Um, right. Because people really react to how you react about what you're talking about. Like you act scared when talking about something. Other people are going to be a little more on edge, yeah. on edge and hesitant about it. Then if you walk in so comfortable about what you're about to describe, they'll, they'll sit there and think, okay, this must be normal. And I just don't know about it. Yeah. You know, and they'll be so much more willing to adapt. And I think it's, that's one of the awesome things about confidence is that we can do it. And then also one of the not 
awesome things about it for those who are not there yet is just how important it really can be to develop that layer of confidence with yourself and yeah with your own comforts right and you know confidence is a very important thing to talk about as well when it comes to setting boundaries is if you're if you're not confident with the boundaries that you're setting you're always going to struggle trying to set boundaries and i think that's something that's very important is you have to be comfortable and confident in who you are as a person and once you do that it becomes a whole lot easier to start setting boundaries with the people in your life in some cases i think it's just borderline difficult like with family for example parents or grandparents just you know actual family members i think it can be difficult to set those boundaries for the simple fact of people have a tendency to make the excuse of but it, but they're my parents so i can't tell them no or i can't tell them that they're making me uncomfortable and the reality is you can and it's okay and if they don't respect that about you then you know where your relationship stands with them and that's that well and for the younger audience while this won't apply to everyone sometimes when you're young you can't establish boundaries instantly right you have to wait for yourself to have a little bit more maturity before people give you that room to grow right i'm only 22 so heck it feels like yesterday i remember some of those learning moments and stuff and i can say that you can say that you know, to a degree at this age, you can get away with saying, oh, well, I can't yet. But there does come a time, be it when you have to move out or be it when it's time to go off to college and you move out, or even if you're just gone five days a week now, all of a sudden you're busy, busy, busy. Um, but those are your opportunities to explore and grow out a little bit. And typically there's not a whole lot the adults or other party can do about it. It is your time to learn, your time to grow. And so, okay, you want to get away. Join a club then if your parents are like, no, we're not just going to let you go run around and do anything. You know, there are absolutely different things to do. There are different organizations and clubs to join, places to go. You can get little easy, cool jobs where you're meeting people and making a little money without pushing yourself to a stroke of death (laughs) with all the extra school and extracurriculars. But... If you are waiting for that opportunity, just know that when it comes, you have to use it. And that, especially when you're young, that they do come where you get to break free. If you're sitting there like, no, they're just not going to let me. It'll come. It really does. It's just not instantaneous. That is that big step up, as I like to call it. Don't expect to, you don't want to get into the mindset of, I'm waiting for the opportunity to come. Why is the opportunity not coming? Because I guarantee you it probably has come and you just missed it. Well, and that's balance too, because I was sitting here thinking you were going to say now, 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 right? Right. So don't also expect it to come in five minutes, right? Don't don't walk in there, tell your parents how you want to be treated now and think that tomorrow mom is just going to remember every single detail you just told her and like she is going to become a new person for you tomorrow. No, it's, it, it takes time and you have to keep, you're going to have to repeat the same boundary over and over again for certain people. Right. And that's just, that's just how that goes. Some people are slower learners. And of course, same thing goes with friends. If you, if you make it known what your boundaries are and 
you can easily say if you cross this boundary, that, that's not an issue. Yeah. And I've definitely had friends in the past who had boundaries around certain things and they, they would literally, they, they didn't say, you know, you do this again and we're done because they, they, they understood that it was going to take a while for, for people to get used to that. And because, you know, I think when you grow up saying certain phrases or certain things, it is going to take a while for you to finally catch yourself saying those things. So you have to allow time for that. You know, if it is a certain phrase or something that you're saying around an individual, it's going to take time for them to really stop saying whatever it is that you don't want them to say. It's like changing a habit, you know? Yeah. You just want to make sure that there is some layer, some level of effort involved. And, yep. and not an effort that'll take 10 years to get to where you want to be either, but that they are still at least... Trying a little bit. Do people make mistakes though? At the same time, absolutely. Yes. And there are there are situations where you know they might slip and cross that boundary, and that's where you just remind them, "Hey, I told you that I'm not okay with this. Please don't do it again." And that's okay for you to say that. That's not being rude. That's not coming across as intolerant. I think that's kind of a word that has been thrown around quite frequently lately. Is just this idea behind intolerance. That's not intolerant well, to demand respect for a boundary that you have. Absolutely not. You can be intolerant of something, though. I think the, the big thing is if you don't get what you want, it's at that point your job to remove yourself from the situation, yeah. not to expect the other people to just walk away and leave you alone now. You know, sometimes at, at that point... You don't like it now. It's your job to distance yourself. Well, I think we see it all the time on like social media and Twitch. You see people watching watching certain content that they don't like, and they'll just say negative things about that content. And it's like, you don't have to watch it. So why are you watching it if you don't like it? Just don't watch it. It's I, very simple. I think hate watching digs into the the level of addiction almost, where people can't they can't help themselves because it's just so so riling up so yeah. so impacting or maybe or maybe they really maybe they do really like judging people and that's why they're watching it is so that they get to the opera maybe they've been judged their whole life and maybe now it's their turn to finally be able to judge someone else so they they watch that content to be able to do that well and I, i've often wondered if that's just the way that a person's homescape is and that they aren't just thinking that they're being silly or like very lightly facetious in some of these jokes, like that they're being like, oh, look at that. Or, oh, you're, you're so funny in this area or, or whatever. I'm not really good at this, but you know, though I, I do see some of the comments and I, for one, I don't really think a lot of those people are sitting there on those videos if they're hate watching for super long. I don't know how many people watch eight hours of something that they hate. You know, I think that a lot of those people only sitting there for like 20 minutes. And I think that they're Maybe well, just being silly a lot of times. Well, I think you'd be surprised because how many people yeah. do you how how many people do you know play video games for twelve hours at a time when it's a game that they hate or that they don't enjoy fully? But I think what I hear a lot of them say is that they love it and that they hate aspects of it. Kind of like how you can love yourself and and have aspects of yourself that you hate that things you that you don't like, like about yourself. You yeah. Well, I think. I mean, really, a perfect example is just my relationship to League of Legends when I used to play League of Legends. Yeah. I did, there was nothing I really liked about that game other than I think there were times where I really enjoyed it, and that was really when I spent time playing with other people. 
But of all the times when I would just play by myself and just grind by myself, I really just disliked it. And I just kind of went on, I think, really just autopilot of... And I think it really mirrored the way I saw myself, too, in some in some shape or form. I think when I was really playing was when I was really depressed. And so I think it really just kind of mirrored the way I viewed myself outside of the game as well as me playing it. Well, and that can be really multifaceted, too, because I do know that you like not to get into too detailed, but I do know that you liked the TV show that it had, right? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when we get into one piece of literature, we can be more forgiving to another just because of that connection, right? I know that there's plenty of movie fans where they'll love all four or five and then a new one will come out and it won't be good, but people will still be praising it because it's connected to that piece of fiction or that piece of just general story that we love right mm, mm-hmm. so i mean i've heard you say really good things about the tv show and go into depth and and how we might even cover that in the future so i think that there are some aspects to it that you love from what i've heard it's just yeah well i really i think i like it more without the online aspect <laughs> yeah um i do like the characters i do like a lot of the lore that's around it but past that the community in itself is just very toxic. Yeah. <laughs> and we've discussed this many times, which is why I don't really play it that much anymore. And I think the same can be said about our tolerance for people, too. I think there are a lot of people out there who also, they might be spending time with around people that they just dislike, right. but they spend time with them because they're the only people they have in their life. And so it does make it difficult in those situations, I think, to get out of it, to, to just completely say, I'm removing these people from my life yeah. and going to find new ones because I think we get into this a period of there's no way I can find another group of people. Right. Well, and those are two big goals, too. I think a lot of people don't cut it down um, like they, they could or should. Um, and to say, I'm going to get rid of these people and I'm going to find new people, are really two huge, huge tasks, right? That's like 60 little tiny steps. So, Well, yeah, and I think that's another thing is they don't break it down into like baby steps. They they just think of the daunting aspect of, of how much effort it might take. Whereas I remember talking to someone who had one person in their friend group that they didn't really like. They didn't like the way that they talked to them. Um this person kind of disrespected this individual on multiple occasions. And so she started talking about maybe removing that individual from just her life in general. Not necessarily, it's not like, even though they were part of a friend group, she still hangs out with all the rest of these people in their friend group, just not that individual. And she's, in her mind, a lot better off for it. So I think there are situations where it might just be one, maybe two individuals that you just need to cut out and keep hanging out with the other people on the side, maybe not as a full group. Although friend groups, as we know, can get a, there can be drama depending on what kind of friend group it is and stuff like that. So it really depends on the situation. Well, and the viewers can't see my face, but I was over here going, that's a hard one to pull off is when you say, I can still hang out with these guys, but I can't hang out with you. Yeah. You know, that can be quite the hard hitter for some people to hear. Mm -hmm. um, 
and why it can be so important to take a full step back and not just try and pick and choose. Because sometimes if you don't go about that the right way, it can make you look like the bully in one of those situations. And, and even I've made the mistake of not talking to everyone about it the right way or not just distancing myself. And you end up, whether you want to or not, often isolating someone else out of the group or accidentally changing someone else's views on that person who you want to remove yourself from because you're trying to explain your issue or your problem with said person in the group to others because you'd like to vent, you'd like to get it off your chest. And then, you know, sometimes that, that'll then change other people's or, oh, I didn't know that you were being treated like that. Oh, I don't like them now. Right. Well, this was one of those situations where I think the other people in their friend group also saw the behaviors that they exhibited towards this individual. So it was a little bit different. See, but that's what I'm talking. No, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Is you got to be careful because sometimes you'll bring up a behavior and then that you bringing that up is what makes those other people recognize that behavior. And so you can end up outcasting or isolating a person, even if they're not being nice, you know, without going for that from the beginning. You know, you were really only trying to isolate them from you. You were not going out of your way to isolate them from numerous multiple people. So that's where I think that issue can arise sometimes because like I said I've had that come back to bite me in the ass where I was just trying to vent I was just trying to talk about my feelings and it ended up making a couple other people in the group isolate from that person and then that person came back and was like you were talking about me and you made people dislike me what's wrong with you you know yeah I can see how it can turn into one of those situations where it feels like you ostracized the person from the group or yeah just dis distanced well like you decided to kick them out from yeah, everyone with everyone yeah um well in this case they still hang out with this individual she just doesn't so it, yeah. i think it was more of a mutual respect yeah. thing because it's not like this individual treated everyone the same way or the way she treated her and stuff like that so it was just it was a completely different situation, but yeah, I think in one of those, in in a friend group where you're the only one who has the problem, no one else has a problem, then it becomes a completely different issue, because yeah. then it's like, that kind of goes back to intolerance, right? I think where you're the one who's being intolerant of whatever this person is doing, everyone else is fine with it. You're the only, it's you're you're the one who has the issues, and then it's up to you to either remove yourself from the situation or make the choice to deal with it depending you know you just kind of have to at that point weigh weigh and i think you've mentioned this to me quite a few times the pros and cons yeah. of this of you know what are the benefits what are the negatives of that situation so right there's no point in saving a situation where all you're going to get out of it is an extra five minutes you know yeah. that's it yeah so absolutely there's there's a couple different ways to go about a lot of these situations. Um, I guess something I, I'd like to know about is, and, you know, we kind of semi-gone over this, but I, I think it's easier to just make it known as a question. When do you think the time is to make a boundary known, and when is it the right time to hold off? I, I think that's a really good thing, because in this day and age, now that boundaries are becoming more heavily discussed, um, and we've talked about this off-camera, sometimes people can think they're displaying a boundary or think that something is 
needs to be said, needs to be gotten off their chest, and they can end up creating problems for themselves. And that's certainly not what we want to send anyone off to do, is to then go and try and speak up for themselves and create more a fight issues or an issue. I think that's a very good question. The right time to set boundaries? Explain the situation to me like I'm a child. How, how would you go about setting that up? How would you go about setting up a discussion? So with I think person? whenever a boundary is crossed, it's okay to bring it up. Um, it's not okay to bring it up like two days later. Because okay. I think if you, if you have someone who crossed your boundary, you think about it and think about it and think about it and don't address it. And then you bring it up to that person two days later when they're not doing anything wrong and blow it way out of proportion, it becomes a bigger issue. I'm going to come out from the side and I'm going to ask you something, okay? What if that is you trying to give 48 hours to calm down? Because you just said two days. Are you allowed to give someone a day or two to calm down and then come back at a situation? Or is at that point the situation invalidated to you? So I think it depends on what the situation is. Yeah. I think if it's one of those situations... So I'll, I'll provide an example to this. One of my friends... He he really hated your mom jokes. So whenever I would talk about his mom, he hated it. He loved his mom. That was kind of a boundary for him. That's his bread and butter, man. Yeah. So when I was at work, I I can't remember what we were doing, but I, I, I said a your mom joke and he was like, hey, I'm not okay with that. Can we not? Just, just don't say that around me. Sure. That's okay. He set a clear boundary. I don't like when people talk about my mom like that. Please don't do it when I'm around. And... That was in the moment. Whereas had he come at me later, and that's a boundary he knew. He already knew of it. He was very confident when he said it. Sure. So I could tell that that was a boundary that he wasn't willing to let me cross. Yeah. And so had he had it been one of those situations where I did that, he didn't say anything. His body language didn't say, didn't convey there was an issue or anything. And then two days later, he brought it up like, hey, I don't really like it. <laughs> When I didn't really like it when you said this, I, you know, in my mind, I'd be like, well, that was two days ago. Why didn't you bring it up then? And then it'd blow up. It'd probably blow up into a big argument. Right. right. So I think in, in a situation like that, bring it up when, when the situation happens, because then you're catching the person in the act. And when you catch them in the act of crossing your boundaries, I think it, it gets communicated a whole lot more smoothly than now if, if it's one of those situations where you are upset yeah and you don't know why you're upset but you're upset you're triggered you're getting heated you're starting to fight with the other person in those situations i think it is okay to take a step away cool down start thinking about okay why why did that situation upset me and then later reconvene with that person and be like, oh, I've thought about it. This is what upset me and have an honest discussion around it. Yeah. I think that's okay. But when it's something that needs to be addressed, like in the moment, I think it's better to set the boundary straight there instead of wait, because the longer you wait and let that person keep doing the same behavior over and over again, then it's just going to blow up eventually into a bigger issue than it needs to be well and that's that's actually what i'd like to ask you then so what would you say to a person who has been in a relationship for a long time has had a best friend for a long time or maybe even an issue with a parent or just someone that they've known for for a super long time let's say that 
this is an issue that has been arising for 10 years, right? And that someone's boundary has been slowly being crossed. And that now that they're older and you know, growing up, that they would like to let the other person know that their boundary is being crossed. But this is something that that other person's been doing for 10 years, but it is making the person uncomfortable. So I would say if it's already a habit that's been established yeah, and you finally want to stand up for yourself or set, set a boundary. And, and I'll give an example since that seems to help. Let's say it is even something like you live with a parent and that parent is always touching your food or going in your room and moving your stuff around or even a friend or a spouse and is always moving your stuff without you wanting them. And it's, it's been something they've always done, but it's, you're at the point where you'd like to bring it up, but you don't know how to bring it up without offending them because they've done it for so long, right? Because well, you said it would be very important to go ahead and deal with it, you know? So what do you do for one of those problems that's 10 years old? So, or even so how for, do you start So for that it? situation, and, you know, if this is like, you know, a parent and a child dynamic, we'll, we'll, let's just use that as an example. I think it's a good example because I think a lot of the times... And I think with it being more common for young adults to be living with their parents still, those boundaries sometimes do still get crossed because right. the parents still see them as their child, not as an adult. Right. So I would say if you really want to set a boundary around something like that, it would be hoove the person to approach their parents or family member, whoever they're staying with and who's, you know, violating that privacy to approach them in a calm manner not a non-combative just be like hey i know you've been doing this for me for my entire life but i would really appreciate if you didn't because i can do those things for myself now i'm an adult i can take care of myself i would really appreciate to have some privacy or some sense of privacy if you need something out of your out of my room or you need you need to or you're looking for something that might be in my room, can you please come and ask me first so I can look in my room instead of you just barging through my door and looking, rummaging through all my things because yeah. I'm I'm an adult now and I, I deserve, you know, the privacy that I deserve to have some of my privacy respected. So you try and, sounds like to me what you're trying to say is you'd like to facilitate a kind of, zone where you can sit down with that person and, and hopefully make sure that both parties feel comfortable before you address the issue. Absolutely. I wouldn't say, you know, um, I mean, of course, you, you could also catch them in the act and in, in, in a situation like that, like if you maybe maybe they're in your room, you just came home from work, you catch them in your room and you're like, look, I'm an adult now, I would really appreciate it if you don't go into my room whenever you feel like because I I would like to have some privacy. If you're trying to find something in my room, that's okay. But if you're cleaning my room, I can clean my room now. I'm an adult. I would prefer that I have some minor privacy respected. Right. Do you think when discussing boundaries like that at, at a moment, is it important to let the other party know that if they have any issues that they should delve into them? Or is that just a moment where you discuss your issue and if they want to come back later on and say anything that's up to them so i think it depends i think there are going to be a lot of cases where you might get some pushback 
from the family member or parent or uh, caregiver in that moment where they might be like, well, it's my my house, my rules. This is, you know, you live here. Well, I hear a lot of people say, well, you do this. When, when someone right. tells them something, even I have been known to do that, where someone will try and give me, maybe it's not the best piece of constructive criticism. So I'll look at him and go, I, I might do that, but what about you doing this? As my form of pushback of like, okay, but what's going on here? Because I thought that, you know, the other party might be giving something up. You know, do you just say that is true, then we should both work on each other's issues? How would you go about dealing with that? If that other person delivers pushback in, yeah, well, this is your problem. I would say it goes both ways. I would say if you're willing to give it, then you should be willing to receive it. Okay. And... Yeah, take some responsibility. Don't fight them, especially if what they're saying about you is true. If if what they're saying about you isn't true, then there's something else going on, and clearly that might need to be be addressed, or that might just not be an environment for you to be in anymore. Sure. But, and you know, I think that's perfectly normal once you reach adulthood and especially if you're still living with a caregiver or parent, I think that is normal for it to kind of feel like, okay, it's time for me to move out and do my own thing and be on my own and have my own privacy. And especially if those boundaries are being crossed. But I think in some cases you can make it work where you're able to respect each other's wishes and listen to what not only, you know, listen to each other and what you have to say and try and, be better or fix whatever change i like the word change not fix yeah change maybe some of the behaviors that your parent that your caregiver or parents don't like as well as allow your parent your parents or caregiver to time to change the behaviors that you don't like sure and absolutely and i completely understand if people are wondering why we find it so important to use the word change it's because what one person is happy with another may not be happy with it yeah. and it doesn't mean that that instance needs to be invalidated. And I don't like the word fix because I think a lot of people look at, especially in romantic relationships, oh, I can fix that person. Well, and you fix problems. You know, sometimes you just need to change something because you've been in that same cycle for so long. Yep. You know, it doesn't mean that there was anything wrong with it. It doesn't mean that you dislike that time. It's just it's time for change. Yeah. And that can be so necessary. All righty. Do you have anything you'd like to add or that you'd like to explain to our viewers about boundaries and vulnerability? Anything you'd like to leave them off with? So I think uh, having boundaries and vulnerability pretty much go hand in hand. There are moments where you might say too much and it's okay in those moments. It's just learn from those moments and learn how to maybe not overshare in the future and pick and choose who you want to be vulnerable with because not everyone's going to receive your vulnerability the same way some are going to be more receptive and accepting and compassionate and empathetic towards it whereas others are just going to use that to push you into the dirt that's pretty much a good analogy i think so and we can definitely discuss signs of where or when and certain personality types that might be using that vulnerability against you in future episodes or a future episode if that's something that y'all really want. But 
boundaries are a very important part, not just not just for those around us, but also for ourselves, because it shows that we respect who we are as individuals. And if you can't respect yourself, the people around you aren't going to really respect you either. That's yeah. kind of how that goes because we can we can read as people, whether consciously or subconsciously, whether or not the individual sitting across from us or the people that we're around really respect themselves or even believe in what they're saying or have confidence. And I think self-respect does tie into confidence. If you can respect yourself, I think confidence kind of will come with that. I agree. I'll leave the viewers off with this. If you find yourself having trouble finding balance within boundaries or even setting boundaries to begin with, try and focus and start with things that you would consider your personal responsibilities. Things that you have to do for yourself that you owe unto yourself to do, be it getting up, eating, sleeping, surviving, and putting a smile on your face. And if you find people even breaking those habits, those patterns, start with sticking with those start with not letting people interrupt you go into the bathroom or eating things like that don't let people interrupt you yeah, just basic needs having your basic needs absolutely and work with those and just focus and stick with those for a little bit before you work towards the harder bigger things and i can promise just like baby steps in all things you will get there at such a steadier rate absolutely and as always if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or any stories that you want to share with us here at the Man Is It Hard podcast, we do have an email. It's manisithard at gmail.com. We also pay attention to any comments on Spotify as well as YouTube and other platforms that we're streaming to. All of it. <laughs> so this has been our discussion on vulnerability and boundaries, and we will see you guys in the next episode. Heck, episode four. Thank you all for listening. Woohoo!